Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Scoring Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. The college football playoff rankings came out for the first time on Tuesday night with the Ducks coming in at number six in the rankings. They are one spot behind Washington, who is number five. They're the highest-ranked one-loss team in the nation. Uh, going into this, I think that's pretty much about where we expected them to be. I thought they might be number seven. Uh, there was a chance number six or number seven. It was just going to depend on what the committee did with um, the Texas Longhorns. Their loss to Oklahoma, their win over Alabama, though. Um, you could argue that their win is a little bit more impressive than Oregon's, but their loss, you know, it's it's up for debate. But to break all that down, I have the pleasure of bringing on Gary Stokan, the CEO and president of the Peach Bowl. Uh, he's going to help me look at the rankings and kind of give me a detailed look at what the selection committee saw in their first initial release, kind of what goes into the process that they do. So we've got a really good episode for you. Um, after that, I will look um, a little bit at the Cal game this coming weekend, go through some of my biggest keys to victory. Um, it's It's not expected to be a super close game, but it's also one where... You know, if Oregon isn't careful, if they don't take care of business, then Cal has shown the ability to put up some points in a hurry, too. So um, that's an important game for the Ducks coming this weekend. But first, we're going to start with Gary. We're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. I am happy to bring on Gary Stoken, the CEO and president of Peach Bowl Incorporated. He knows the ins and outs of the college football playoff inner workings. He has some insight into the process that the selection committee goes through each week. So, Gary, thank you for joining me. How are you today? Great, Zachary. Thanks for having us. It's a great time of the Absolutely. year. It really is. We had the uh, the first selection, uh, the first rankings for the college football playoff came out last night on Tuesday. It's Wednesday afternoon as we record this. Um, I want to look at the initial playoff rankings, mainly focusing on the Oregon Ducks to start. They are more of they're one of the more popular topics at the moment, just because of um, what they've looked like over the past couple of weeks. Obviously, they have that one loss to number five Washington, but there are few teams in the nation that are playing better football than Oregon right now. Obviously, everything is going to work itself out over the coming several weeks. But what do you think that the committee kind of initially said about the Ducks by putting them just a spot behind Washington at number six and, you know, uh, having them as the highest ranked one loss team in the nation? Well, certainly, I think first off, let me say I I really think a lot about Rob Mullins and and, uh, Dan Lanning, two quality people. We've had the opportunity to meet and work together. Uh, and uh, they're first-class people. So Oregon is very fortunate to have both of them heading up their athletic program and their football program. Um, with respect to the CFP, you know, obviously uh, Washington is placed ahead of Oregon. That makes sense. They won the game head-to-head. That's one of the main criteria that the selection committee looks at. And having sat in Gaylord and in that room with the computers in front of you and gone through a mock draft, you know, it's a great process the selection committee has. Um, they, they always get it right. Um, you know, in this case, Oregon, you know, has to be the biggest Washington fans in the country right now because they want them to beat, uh, you know, 
uh, the three ranked teams that Washington still has to play so that in Oregon to win out and win the two ranked teams that they have to play against. Two of them are similar, obviously, uh, which will mean a lot to the selection committee. But, you know, obviously they want Washington to be as high ranked as they can to meet them in the in the Pac-12 playoff. Absolutely. So we saw in the the you know the show the revealing show last night that chairman uh committee chair Boo Corrigan he said on Tuesday night after the release that the committee did show a bit of a concern at Washington's performance these past couple of weeks against Arizona State and against Stanford playing close games against two of the worst teams in the Pac-12 respectfully saying that. How big of a factor do you think that is especially when you could argue that you know, of the five undefeated teams, Washington technically has the best win if you're looking at number six, Oregon. How big of a factor do you think that recent performance is for the committee when choosing where Washington should go? Well, I think the USC game and the Oregon State game, which both teams play in the next three weeks, are going to have a lot to say. Um, you know, the head-to-head was one thing, but, you know, you start to compare uh, wins against teams – uh, that both teams competed against and teams that were ranked or, or highly thought of by the committee. So I think both the Oregon State and the USC games are going to be really, really crucial to the uh, uh, to what happens the rest of the way here for Washington and, and to Oregon. So do you think, I mean, of the the five un, undefeated teams, Washington was number five. Do you think that their past performance, despite them having one of the best wins on the table, do you think it's because of their past performance over these past couple of weeks that they are lower on the rankings uh, than those other teams like Ohio State and Georgia? Yeah, I believe so. And, and, and again, they have not, you know, as I mentioned, they still have to play number 20, number 18, and number 16. So they're going to catch up. The Pac-12 schedule Albeit at the start of the season, you know, they were the best conference in the country. I still think they can make that argument. Um, you know, they backload their schedule. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, you know, both them and Oregon, you know, play, you know, two ranked teams in Oregon's case, three ranked teams in, in Washington's case, you know, over the next three weekends. So, um, you know, those games are going to be the real telltale signs. Um, you know, as we get down to the CFP selection committee, which I should offer that number one, you know, the, the selection committee will place number one in the best geographical advantage, um, whether it's the Sugar or the Rose Bowl, who host the semis this year. Then the selection committee will step aside and let the Orange Bowl committee select the highest ranked ACC team per their contract with the ACC. And then on the other side, the Orange Bowl committee will select between Notre Dame, the highest-ranked Big Ten, highest-ranked uh, SEC team. Um, once they select that, then it'll go back to the CFP selection committee, and they'll place uh, the top-ranked uh, group of five in the country champion. They'll put them in either the Cotton, the Fiesta, or the Peach, and then they'll put the other five schools in the cotton peach and, and fiesta bowl. So we're this year we're three at large CFP bowls. Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, we were the semifinal with Georgia, Ohio State, as was the Fiesta Bowl with TCU and Michigan. So that's kind of how the process will take place. Yeah, that's a, a great look in the inside. I didn't I didn't understand how that process went. So thank you for that. 
looking yeah. at the uh, looking at the rankings as a whole, the top four: Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and then Florida State. In your mind, is that kind of how you think that those four should have gone? Is that how you would have ranked them, or do you have any problems with the top four? Um, you know, I thought Washington's win against Oregon was pretty big. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, I think in the case of Florida State, their win against LSU was big. Um, Michigan, you know, has been beating people pretty pretty consistently, mm-hmm. and you know, on the field, you know, have have uh, have been dominant. Although them and Georgia, who's also been pretty dominant, have played, uh, I think, the 100th and 110th ranked schedule mm-hmm. in the country. So, uh, and Ohio State, obviously deserving so, having beaten Notre Dame on the road and, um, you know, taking care of business with Penn State. So I think they, you know, they got it right. Uh, none of this matters now because Saturday <laughs> it will all change. It's going to um, change. So the only pull you want to, you want to really uh, bank on is the last poll because that's the one that counts. Yeah. So it's great fodder to talk about and everything else. And it's great for college football, the interest level, as will the playoff next year. Just take the interest level to an all new high because, you know, not only do you have uh, probably 30, 40, maybe upward of 50 teams still vying in October, November for those 12 spots, but you mm-hmm. also have NBC, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and CBS now broadcasting college football. So, um, you know, we're seeing it this year. You know, TV ratings are an all-time high. Some of that was the Hollywood strike, I guess, but some of it, I believe, is really what's going on with all the networks really promoting and broadcasting college football. You mentioned next year. I want to talk a little bit about that with you. This is the last year of the 14 playoff. It's obviously obvious that one of the power five conference champions is going to be left out as they always are. And it's possible that two of them get left out in the instance that maybe the sec gets two teams in, whether it's Georgia and Alabama, uh, maybe the big 10 gets two teams in with Ohio state and Michigan, um, which remaining yeah, we've seen that in the past with uh, Alabama Correct. played in our kickoff game, had a big win uh, against a ranked opponent, did not win the sec that year. Got in number four in the CFP playoff and won the national championship. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's happened in the past. So, of those remaining conferences, of those remaining three conferences, the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC, um, who do you feel of those three should be the most worried that their conference champion is potentially going to get left out without a seat at the table? Well, certainly that's up to the selection committee. I'm not on it, but, you know, you'd you'd have to look at, um, again, going back, if you look at the top 12 teams, every one of them plays a ranked opponent, at least one ranked opponent, Mm -hmm. uh, except for Florida State. Mm -hmm. Florida State does not have another ranked team on its schedule. Now, they could potentially play a ranked team in the ACC championship, but, you know, right now it's Louisville at number 13, if Louisville wins out. Mm-hmm. And so these other, these other uh, universities are going to play teams that are ranked, which will only help move them up. So, you know, I got to believe Florida state's got to win out, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to really be in the mix. You could argue that this season, the PAC 12 is the strongest conference in the nation uh, from top to bottom right now. They have six teams in the top 25. They've had as many as eight teams ranked in the top 25 at one point this season. 
Do you think there's any world where the Pac-12 is one of those conferences that gets two teams in the playoff? For instance, if an undefeated Washington went into the Pac-12 championship against a one-loss Oregon, and if Oregon won that game, gave Washington their first loss, do you think that the conference as a whole is strong enough for the committee to say, hey, these are two obviously incredibly good teams. They've played some of the hardest schedules because of the conference they're in, we think they both should get in. Do you think that world exists or is that kind of um, that, is that a something that's reserved for the sec and the big 10 just because of their history? No, I, the CFP won't look at it that way. Just like they didn't look at Georgia and say, okay, they won the national championship the last two years. So they should automatically be number one this year. You know, each week the selection committee will sit there and rank the top uh, three teams or four teams, and then they'll put that in the computer. Uh, then they'll ask, okay, who do you have ranked next four teams? They all input that in the computer, and the computer will spit out, you know, what the consensus is. And then after they, they do that all the way through number 25, and then when they get to 25, they go back in and say, okay, now let's look. Should Georgia be ahead of Ohio State? Okay, why is Ohio State first? And they go through all the analytics and the data, and they have debates and, and arguments, and, and uh, they work through the process. So um, certainly you could see a case where, you know, Washington, I think you said that they would be undefeated going mm-hmm. into the Pac-12 championship. And if they lost that game and Oregon was undefeated and beat them, you know, you could very easily make the case that uh, a one-loss team in a, in a, uh, in a Pac-12 should be deserving and possibly two teams. Again, again, it all depends on what everybody else does, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and each each week is different because, you know, uh, Ohio State has got to play number three still. Mm-hmm. If they beat number three, that's certainly going to help them. You know, mm-hmm. they need Notre Dame and and uh, you know they need Penn State to continue to win out because then those wins are even better. So it's funny who you become fans of and who you root for down the stretch here to help your own team. Uh, Because if you get the chance to play them, you want them to be ranked as high as as possible. So that win for your team, should you beat them, is going to resonate with the CFP selection committee. And like you said earlier, I mean, it's this is fun fodder. It's fun stuff to talk about. But none of this, I mean, this changes day by day, week by week for this next month. So um, the the rankings are certainly not set in stone right now. But like you said, you're not on the committee. You uh, you won't help decide this, this batch of playoff rankings. But do you have a, a sort of sense? Do you kind of just feel some of these teams have a better chance than others to actually get into the playoff and maybe have a chance at that national championship game? You know, I, I know this from history that no two team has, two lost team has ever gotten into the playoff. And looking at who's on this, who's in the top 12 right now uh, or through uh, top 13 uh, with only one loss, you know, it's going to be hard for a two team to make an argument for a two team loss to get into the to then get into the final four. New Year's six, certainly, but mm-hmm. a playoff would be very, very difficult that I think you can hang your hat on. But, um, you know, with only one loss through 13 teams. And all the ranked teams that still have to play each other, let alone the conference championships. I can just imagine next year, you know, with with a 12-team playoff, 
I mean, it's going to be unbelievable to talk uh, with mm-hmm. all the teams that could be in the hunt there. So, you know, I think college football, albeit with the, the, the more transition and more challenge than it's ever gone through in its history, I think is in a position to just elevate to the next level with respect to attendance and viewership on some of the points we talked about earlier in the, in, in the playoff coming forward uh, next year. Yeah, I think that um, we've seen this year how entertaining and how fun this type of season can be. And with, uh, I mean, yes, there's there's upsides and downsides to the transfer portal and conference realignment. But I, I think from an entertainment standpoint, the the product is as good as it's ever been. And I think that everyone is super excited about what the twelve team playoff will bring us next year. I hate to twelve is not the Pac twelve is not going to be in existence yes, this year because I really believe that. All of this TV network exposure, all the viewership and attendance, the playoff next year, allowing more teams, you know, in the hunt, the further you get along, I think would only behoove the Pac-12, number one. It would have behooved uh, uh, high school football in the mm-hmm. West Coast, and it would have behooved recruiting for the Pac-12 schools with West Coast kids. And so I think it would only elevate it you know, the success of the Pac-12 going forward. So it's it's really a crying shame that, uh, you know, the Pac-12 is not going to ex- exist next year. I agree. I'll ask you this um, to get out of here on this. So the the format for the 12-team playoff, it's currently been set already at, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the six highest-ranked conference champions and then the next six highest-ranked teams, correct? I believe that's right. Well, that was what was agreed to before agreed. the Pac-12 shakeup. So, so that's going to have to change going forward, correct? Yeah, I think the commissioners will meet on that. I know there's been some talk about moving it to 5-7, um, okay. where you have the four, uh, you know, the four ACC, SEC, Big 12, and, and Big 10 champs, along with a champ from the uh, group of five, mm-hmm. be the automatic qualifiers, and then the seven at large. Um, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, but the format will be basically one, two, three, and four conference champs. Whoever's ranked one, two, three, and four will be uh, in the quarters and get a mm-hmm. bye. And then five mm-hmm. through 13 will, or five through 12 will play on the respective uh, highest ranked teams' home field. Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot of entertainment down the road. I'm super excited to see that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, let's go ahead and wrap it up there, Gary. Thank you so much for coming on and breaking down the rankings with me. That was all very insightful. I want to quickly give you an opportunity to plug anything that you're working on or going forward. Um, um, just the floor is yours right here. Well, we're just looking forward to, you know, some great college football through Atlanta, the capital college football over the next few years. We have uh, Georgia Clemson that will start the season next year in our half-lack kickoff game. We'll host the uh, first CFP quarterfinal next year in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and then we'll end the season with the CFP National Championship game in Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then in 25, we'll have two AFLAC kickoff games to start the season, and then we'll end the season with the CFP semifinal game. So Atlanta's going to be right in the mix of all the the uh, the playoff and the national championship semifinals, quarters, and and championship game over the next two years. So we're looking forward to it. You're definitely going to stay busy then, I'm sure. 
<laughs> it's a great, great time to be uh, in Atlanta. Great time to be a part of college football for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on with you, Gary, and talking. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Zachary. Say hi to Rob and Dan for me. Yes, I absolutely will. Thank you. Okay. Take care. All right. Let's talk about this cow game. Um, this is a, it's a nice return home for Oregon. This is the the second half of the schedule for Oregon really breaks up into a nice big game, kind of off game, big game, off game a little bit. I know you had Washington followed by what we thought was going to be a big game with Washington State ended up not being a huge game. Um, and then you had Utah on the road, big game this week back home for Cal, which is kind of a, you know, they're the spread is I think Oregon minus 24. It's not expected to be a super close game. Yeah. USC next week, then Arizona state week after that, then to finish it up with Oregon state. So um, you're kind of on off on off to finish the season, which is advantageous for the ducks. But you know, it also puts them in a position where they can't get complacent, um, which, you know, we've heard Dan Lanning and the, the players, the coaching staff say that a ton this year that, um, you know, they treat every game as if it's their Super Bowl. And at this point, I mean, we had talked to Brandon Dorless yesterday and he's saying that they know what's at stake. Um, they know that they're basically in a playoff situation right now where every game, if they lose their season is over in the sense that they cannot achieve what they came into the season trying to achieve, which is a spot in the college football playoff. So, um, you know, I think that the Ducks are in a good position going into this game against California. Um, I think they know what's at stake and they're they're ready to to go out and perform um, to the ability that I think they can. Some of my biggest keys to victory for Oregon, it's not there's not many, but a few things that they just need to, you know, make sure they really button down and um, you know, are are ready to go with. I think number one is that they really need to try and stay fresh on defense, which is something that we've seen them do a lot so far this season. We see them rotate defensive line in and out um, throughout the game. No one gets too high of snack counts. No one gets you know too too tired out there. Um, that's kind of one of the advantages of having such a deep defensive line, such a deep depth chart on that defensive side of the ball. You know, Cal is a very high up tempo team. Uh, Landing was talking today that I think they have more offensive plays run this season than anyone else in the conference. They run the ball a lot. They pass the ball a lot. They've kind of got a a mix of an air raid offense that's been, you know, it's been very successful so far this year. They put up a lot of points when they want to. And, um, you know, we saw that last week in their 50 to 49 loss to USC. Of course, USC's defense is not Oregon's defense. So I don't expect that point total for Cal once again this week, but um, this is an important game for Oregon to really, you know, they're going to need to stay on that rotation. They're going to need to stay fresh because Cal's going to run a lot of plays. They're going to try to run a lot of plays, um, and they're going to try and really wear you out and tire you down by the end of the game. But Oregon, I think, is is uniquely built to sustain that because we've seen them rotate so much. We've seen them, you know, you start the game with Brandon Dorless and Taki Taimani and Popo Amavai, and you rotate in Birch and Uyunglele and Marion Winston and, and Tatum Tuioti. There's so many people that you can bring in this off, or bring in this defense, excuse me. And so I think they'll be relatively okay on, on that side of the ball and uh, they they should have no problem staying fresh throughout the game. The next key to to victory for Oregon for me is they really need to shut down the run. Um, you look at what Cal does offensively, what they've been the most successful with this year. They've got a really solid rushing offense. Um, you mean Jaden Knott's true sophomore 
running back right now. He was an incredible player last year. He's really kept that up so far this year. He's one of the best young running backs in the conference so far this year. He's got three games with 150 plus yards in the ground. He's got eight touchdowns on the year too. Um, like I said earlier, their offenses, they can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They've got a really good mix. They run a lot of RPOs, which Landing was talking about today. It kind of it makes you be more disciplined as a defense because really they've got two plays in every single one play that they run. They can run it. They can pass it. They can really um, read the defense and see what you're going to give them. Um, but I think that, you know, you don't fear Cal's quarterback and Cal's pass game as much as you do the running game. I mean, Jade Nott, he's a, a future NFL running back. He's a really, really talented player that's got a future at the next level. Um, if you can shut him down and at least slow him down, um, I think you've got a really, really good chance to win this game. Um, I trust in Oregon's defense. They have, I forget what the stat is, they've allowed fewer than 100 yards rushing on the ground in the past six games straight. Um, they've got one of the better rushing defenses in the nation. So um, I'm not really too concerned about that, but I do know that it is one of the things that you need to make sure you can do against a Cal team that has proven to be very good on the ground so far. The last thing for Oregon, I think this is more of a, a big picture thing. I just wrote down, Oregon's just got to be Oregon. Um, if you listen to the podcast earlier in the week, when I talked to Joey Harrington, he made a great point that, you know, Oregon just needs to do what they do. Um, that's what's gotten them here thus far. And that's particularly with Bo Nix too. You know, I brought up the conversation that when you talk about Bo Nix and his Heisman candidacy, you know, his stats are not as inflated as some of the other candidates out there. What really gets him in the conversation is his consistency. I mean, he's going to get you 250 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions every game. Like it's nothing. But if you want to get him to the top of that Heisman candidacy, in the the top of that Heisman race, you know, I was contending to Joey that I think it would be important for them to get a couple of games um, against mediocre defenses like Cal, like USC, uh, a couple of games where he has 350 plus 400 yards through the air, three, four touchdowns. But, you know, Joey had a great answer that, you know, I don't want them. He doesn't want them to try and do that because that's when you try and get, that's when you get in trouble. When you start scheming for stats, when you start trying to help Bo's Heisman case by getting him some extra yards here and there, that's when you get in trouble. You just need to really do what you've done to get you here thus far because it's working. And in the end, winning is more important than awards because winning is going to get you the ultimate award in a national championship trophy. Um, I'm sure that every player on the team, Bo Nix especially, would rather have a national championship trophy than that Heisman Award. Um, so while both would be awesome, I think what's first and foremost most important is winning the game, and you do that by doing what Oregon has done so far, and that's being balanced, that's being smart with the football, that's not forcing anything, it's just doing what they do best, and that's that's spreading the wealth and getting the ball to your playmaker. So uh, I think that... You know, there could be opportunities in this game where Bo Nix has a chance to throw in the red zone rather than run, um, rather than, than hand the ball off. I mean, um, there was one play against Utah where he threw a screen pass to Treshawn Holden and it, it counted as a rushing touchdown rather than a receiving touchdown because Holden was about a half yard behind the line when he caught it. So 
there's little stuff like that where I think that you can try and inflate his numbers a little bit just by some of the decision making. But as a whole, I think that they really have to just try and stay true to themselves and not change anything too much because um, you don't want to do anything opposite of what um, what's gotten you here and, and do anything different because what you've been doing so far has been highly successful. And I think that's what you need to keep doing going forward. At the moment, the um, the spread on this game is Oregon minus 24. The over-under is 59.5. That's as of Wednesday afternoon when I record this. Uh, when I look at this game, you know, I'm, I think I'm leaning towards the under. I know that these are two very high-powered offenses, but I just, after last week, I've been so impressed with Oregon's defense. Um, I just don't really expect them to give up that many points. And, you know... Cal's defense can give up a ton of points, but I don't know that I don't think Oregon's going to go out there and put 60 on them. I don't think they're going to put, I've seen other people project 70 points from Oregon. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, particularly because I think Cal runs the ball so much and Oregon runs the ball a lot too. This is going to be just one of those quicker games where the clock is running for a lot of the game. It's not going to be a, um, you know, a ton of passes in this game that are stopping the clock. So, um, I'm leaning towards the under because of that. You know, my final prediction, final score prediction right now is 48 to 10 Oregon. Um, that would be covering the spread by uh, a good margin. So, and then that's a total of 58. So I'm leaning towards Oregon and the under at the moment. Um, you know, we'll see as the rest of the week goes on. I don't think that prediction is going to change, but um, I'll continue to do some digging on it and thinking about it. But right now, I've got Oregon in the under. I think it's a big win for the Ducks. I think they take care of business and get ready for a big game next week against USC. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you again to Gary for coming on and talking about the college football playoffs with me. That's very insightful. Uh, we will have another thing about that next week as we kind of just continue this March throughout November and see the rankings come out each Tuesday night and see uh, where the Ducks can end up if they continue to take care of business. Uh, if you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com or follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. Uh, I will be on again this weekend after the game. That'll probably go up early Sunday morning. It's 2.30 p.m. kick on Saturday. So um, I don't think I will record Saturday night. I'll probably record Sunday morning and put that up on Sunday. So um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you guys this weekend. Until then, take it easy.